Welcome. This is Anastasia Glova bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Be sure to log on to our website, www.cato.org, for a full archive of our podcast as well as many other audio offerings. Today, the Cato Institute hosts a forum on Cornerstone of Liberty, Property Rights in 21st Century America, a new book by Pacific Legal Foundation attorney Timothy Sandifer, which deals in large part with the encroachment on property rights since Kelo. Scott Bullock, senior attorney at the Institute for Justice and a speaker at the recent Cato University seminar on Timothy Sandifer's book, was co-counsel in the Kelo decision and argued on behalf of property owners. Scott is our guest for today's podcast. Did the Norwood case have any impact on how the outcome of the Kelo decision was viewed by legislators and developers? Well, the Norwood case is extremely important. It is the first state Supreme Court case that addresses eminent domain post-Kelo. And the Ohio Supreme Court completely rejected the Supreme Court's rationale in the Kelo case and said that we were going to provide protections for home and small business owners in under our own state constitution. So that hopefully will serve as a real benchmark for other state Supreme Courts when they interpret their own state constitutions and address this issue. And we'll also encourage state legislatures to completely reject Kelo and to go in the direction of preventing the abuse of eminent domain for private development. Your colleague Dana Berliner stated that the Ohio decision was a reaction to the use of eminent domain since Kelo. What are some of the disputes that we've seen in the past year? Well, we've seen two incredible things. We've actually seen state and local governments really emboldened by Kelo. Several of them, shortly after the Kelo case was handed down, start filing eminent domain actions. There was uncertainty in the air before Kelo as to what the Supreme Court was going to do. And after the Supreme Court decision was handed down, a number of local governments really moved forward with these projects. But coupled with that, we saw an incredible backlash against the abuse of eminent domain, the likes of which we've never seen before. It is fair to say that the Kelo case is the most universally despised Supreme Court decision in decades. And as a result of that, you see state Supreme Court decisions like the one in Ohio, and you've now seen 30 state legislatures as of now, in just a little over one year's time since the Kelo decision, act to impose greater restrictions upon the use of eminent domain for private development. So uh, it, it has really been an incredible year, and what a lot of people thought was going to be a great victory for cities and for planners and for developers has really turned out to be a debacle for them and has led to so many governments and so many courts reconsidering eminent domain doctrines and, again, providing for these greater protections for property owners. So judging by the reaction, it's not outlandish to say that losing Kilo was actually a good thing for property owners. Well, it's uh, not something we certainly tried to do. We tried very hard to win for the property owners in Kilo. But I really do think that this could be an example of losing the battle, but winning the overall war. The world has really changed since the Kilo decision. Everybody who's reasonably well-informed in the country is now aware of eminent domain abuse, and most people are totally opposed to it. The polling is off the charts on this, and the people on the other side of this issue, planners, developers, city officials, know that. They know that it's going to be much harder to get these projects through due to an awakening on the part of the public and on the part of the courts. However, the folks on the other side of this issue, even though the public is against them, have a lot of power 
uh, a lot of money on their side, and influence with state legislatures as well. So these battles are going to be very hard fought, even though you would think, just talking to people on the street and looking at the polling numbers on this, that this should be a no-brainer and that these projects would rarely, if ever, go through. So the fight is going to continue in the state courts and the state legislatures, and also through citizen activism as well, which is another very encouraging thing that we've seen where property owners and local activists from across the country, across the ideological spectrum, band together in order to fight eminent domain uh, abuse. We think that's going to continue and the movement is only going to grow to put a stop to this. Now, you're involved in the Castle Coalition project at the Institute for Justice. Could you tell me about what the Castle Coalition has been doing recently to fight eminent domain abuse? Well, the Castle Coalition, shortly after the Kelo decision was handed down, put together a campaign that we led. Uh, We invested $3 million in it called Hands Off My Home, and it was to fight back against eminent domain abuse on a wide variety of fronts through the legislative process of trying to get new laws passed that would stop the abuse of eminent domain for private development. Of course, we're going to continue very aggressively our state court litigation uh, like we did in the Norwood case. And also we're going to train activists and to work with them to raise public awareness about this on the local level to put a stop to it as well. And so the Castle Coalition, along with the litigation that the Institute for Justice does, is going to remain very active to educate people and to train these citizen activists to put a stop to it. New legislation has been proposed in the Senate to protect property owners. Do you think the Senate is going to act on this legislation, or will they just let it die until next year? Well, this has uh, been a big struggle uh, in state legislatures throughout the country. Again, you would think that this would be a no-brainer, would pass overwhelmingly, but it's been a very hard-fought battle because of the political influence of folks on the other side uh, of this issue. And that's happening right now in the Senate. The uh, bill that would stop federal funding for projects that abuse eminent domain passed overwhelmingly in the House of Representatives. It's been stalled in the Senate and it's been lobbied very aggressively against by such officials as Mayor Mike Bloomberg of New York City and other city officials. And it's now going to be very close as to whether or not the Senate's going to bring it up for a vote. The clock is really ticking, and so it's going to be tough to get them to do that within that limited period of time. But hopefully they will. This is something that would pass overwhelmingly, I think, in the Senate. And uh, why it's being not brought up for a vote is simply outrageous. And hopefully in the next couple of weeks that the Senate is still in session, that they will bring it up for a vote, because that would have a really big impact upon cities to lose their federal economic development funds for the abuse of eminent domain is simply something that a lot of cities could not afford to do. And many of these projects that abuse eminent domain could be shut down overnight. So it's really important that the Senate act, but it's yet to be seen whether or not they will. If you enjoyed this program, consider subscribing to Cato Audio, a dynamic 60-minute monthly recording that brings you inside the Cato Institute for highlights from exceptional one-of-a-kind lectures and events on key issues of the day presented by nationally known scholars, authors, and political leaders. Cato Audio is available on our website as well as on iTunes and audible.com.